Hey there, podcast listeners. We're so grateful that you're tuning in. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the pastor here at Williamsburg Baptist Church in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. The sermon you're about to listen to is called The Best Medicine. It's based on the story of the promise and birth of Isaac, whose name means laughter, as you may know. It's based on Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15, and then Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. I hope that it's meaningful to you in some way this week. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about us, you can head over to williamsburgbaptist.com. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find links to both of those in the comments um, or the, um, the description of this podcast. And you can click through there and find us on social media. You can also reach out to me at pastor at Williamsburg Baptist if you have prayer concerns or would like to connect. We really are so glad you're listening. Hope this sermon is helpful and a blessing to you this week. God bless. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, readers. What a wonderful reading. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder if you've seen it. There's a comic posted on one of our bulletin boards here in the church. Uh, And in the comic there, you see a dog and a cat standing before God's throne in heaven. And God is seated on the throne, and God turns and asks the dog, Were you a good boy? And the dog says, Oh, yes, I sat and I begged and I was loyal. And that's the right answer, right? And then God turns and asks the cat, And were you a good cat? And the cat responds, You're sitting in my chair. I'm sure it's a true story. <laughs> if, <laughs> if it was my cat, the moment that God gets up to go get a cup of tea, my cat's going to hop up there and get settled right in. <laughs> if you've seen the comic before, thanks for laughing again. If you haven't seen it, you really should take a look at our bulletin boards. We have a strong bulletin board game here at Williamsburg Baptist Church, and it's thanks in large part to Kathy Sadowski. They're always up to date and uh, full of amazing things going on in the life of this community and some fun stuff, too. I guess you know we don't like to take ourselves too seriously around here. I was talking to a friend about a year or so ago, and she listened to our podcast, and she said, you know, what struck me the most when I was listening was that I heard laughing during the sermon. And she lamented, no one ever laughs in my current church. It's so serious. She wasn't the one preaching every week, just for the record. (laughs) But I thought, what a shame. If our communities of faith are places where we can show up or should be able to show up as our full and authentic selves, we should darn well be able to laugh and share in our communal joy together, should we not? It's essential. I did a little digging this week because I wanted to learn more about laughter and its role in our lives, and I found some good information from Dr. Sophie Scott, who's a professor of neuroscience and happens to be one of the world's leading experts on laughter. That sounds like an amazing job. 
I'm sure her friends are always pulling her aside, though, and saying, let me tell you this. Not not again. (laughs) It turns out that laughter is a nonverbal, emotional expression. Of course, it's most often associated with joy. And more often than not, it's probably not surprising to you, it's social in nature. We laugh more often than when we're not alone. In fact, we're, more, we're 30 times more likely to laugh if we're in the company of other people. Laughter is not usually an intentional thing we do. It's spontaneous. It erupts from within us. It's a physiological response that engages our facial muscles and our respiratory system and releases endorphins and relaxes the whole body. It turns out we're hardwired for laughter, and it's healthy for us. We laugh for a whole host of reasons. Sometimes it's involuntary because we're being tickled. Sometimes we just find something hilarious because it's ironic or sarcastic. Sometimes we laugh to mask our true emotions, which, to be honest, I can't help but wonder if that's maybe at play when Sarah laughs in the scripture reading. Sometimes we laugh when we're uncomfortable. We laugh for social connection, whether it's watching a funny movie in a theater or singing funny songs around a campfire. Laughter is contagious. It brings us together, demonstrates our trust and affection for one another, and creates shared communal joy. It's essential to being human, and studies suggest that people who have a lot of social relationships laugh more often. And so if you don't come to church for any other reason, come to find a community and laugh with other folks. It's good for your health. We have taken a big step through Genesis from last Sunday. Last week we were in the primordial Garden of Eden with Adam, remember, Adam in Genesis chapter 2. The beauty of the narrative lectionary is it gives us a wonderful sense of the narrative arc of scripture, but sometimes it gives us whiplash because we jump so far each week. After Genesis 2, the relationships between humanity and God and creation are disrupted. We begin to see evidence of sin in the world, and the first thing actually called sin in scripture, you may or may not know this, is when Cain murders Abel. Violence is the first sin. And one of the big stories we see that threads its way through all of Scripture is that God is trying to figure out how to reconcile these broken relationships. Humans and God, humans and creation, and humans with one another. Cain and Abel gives way to the Tower of Babel and then the flood, and God decides to start over, and it doesn't work. And so when Genesis 12 rolls around, God decides to change strategies. God is going to call one family out of the entire world, one couple, Abram and Sarai, who become known as Abraham and Sarah. And God promises that through them and their descendants that follow, the entire world will be blessed. There's only one problem with this plan. Abraham and Sarah are getting up there in years. And they don't have any children. There's a promise of blessing that will come through descendants who are more numerous than stars. But how in the world is that going to happen? You may remember the strange story where Abraham and Sarah try to take matters into their own hands. And Abraham takes Hagar, who is essentially their slave. And Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. And it's a messy and complicated story. Deserves its own sermon sometime. 
But through all of that, it remains unclear how God is going to fulfill God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. Is it possible that God made a mistake in choosing these people? Is it possible that the promise of blessing will amount to nothing? Or even worse, fail spectacularly? What do we do when there seems to be no way forward? Lo and behold, as you heard, three mysterious visitors show up at Abraham and Sarah's tent seeking hospitality. And I say visitors deliberately and not men because it seems clear to me, if such a thing can be clear, that these are actually angels, messengers of God. And yet, somehow at the same time, this is actually God visiting Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah welcome them and their servants hustle to offer extravagant hospitality. And as these three mysterious visitors enjoy bread and butter and milk and tender meat... One of them abruptly pauses and says, where's your wife, Sarah? Abraham responds, she's right back there in the main tent. And this visitor responds, strangely enough, I'll be back in a year. And when I come back, Sarah will have a son. Now, it just so happens that Sarah is eavesdropping from just behind the door. uh, And she hears this prediction, this promise, this preposterous claim. The biblical text reminds us that Abraham is almost 100 and Sarah is almost 90. And the Hebrew does this very literally by saying that it had ceased to be for Sarah the way of women. And so she laughs. In Hebrew, you might laugh at my pronunciation, she tzachaks. That's important. And then she says to herself very literally, after I am worn out, will I have pleasure even though my husband is old? Now, I don't want to read too much here between the lines. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? (laughs) But I can't help but think that we as readers are supposed to chuckle here too at the humorous of this statement. It's preposterous to think it's possible, right? And so she utters this private laugh behind the tent door. I don't know that she doubts God so much as she doubts her own body and Abraham's. While some have claimed that Sarah doesn't have enough faith and doesn't trust God, it's curious if you read the previous chapter, Genesis 17, Abraham does the exact same thing. He laughs. They both doubt that God's promise can come to fruition through them of all people. Maybe she's uncomfortable with the thought of actually getting pregnant or of carrying a child to term at her age. Maybe she allows herself to entertain the possibility that it just might be true, though. And so she giggles with delight at the thought. Maybe after all these years, Abraham and I will find pleasure. Even though I didn't think it was possible, maybe, just maybe, life is full of ridiculous and amazing surprises, and you can't help but laugh because sometimes the divine presence shows up in the world in the most unexpected and ridiculous ways. Maybe. The divine visitors overhear the laughter, and they don't scold her so much as they insist that, hey, this is really going to happen whether you believe it or not. 
And sure enough, it does. Flip over a couple of pages in Genesis to chapter 21, which is very appropriate for this weekend because it's one of the readings of Rosh Hashanah. Sarah does indeed become pregnant, even though she and Abraham are very old. And when the child is born, they end up naming him Isaac, of all things. Yitzchak, which means laughter. Rather than being ashamed of it, they memorialize Sarah's laughter by naming him much the way we might memorialize our own trust in God by naming a child faith or hope or Christian. They take their doubt that this divine promise would come to pass and turn it into a source of communal inspiration and joy by naming their son Isaac. It is something worthy of celebration. So that every time someone asks about their child's name, they'll be able to say, Let me tell you, you will never believe this crazy thing that happened to us. Just when it seemed like everything was hopeless, God did something strange and profound and made us laugh. When you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death in your own life, or when you find that life feels laughably impossible and it seems that there is no way forward, look at this kid and remember... Something beautiful may yet surprise you. And the promise of blessing will continue in your life and in the world. That's why Beth and I gave our elder son the middle name Isaac. To remind us. And I promise if you are a parent and you know this, you have to find ways to laugh or you'll never make it. Am I right? (laughs) Sometimes I think we Christians make churches a little too serious. And I, for one, feel like I take my faith very seriously. But there's a line. There's such a thing as taking it too serious. Sometimes the gravitas of trying to have a relationship with the divine being, the foundation of the universe, makes us a little uptight. And maybe it makes us act a little bit more seriously than God acts in scripture, to be honest. But if God invites our whole selves and everything that it means to be human into relationship, and we aren't laughing, somehow we've missed the point. I would dare say laughter is as vital to our spiritual lives as anything else. God welcomes our laughter along with our love and hope and faith, as well as our incredulity and doubt and fear and even our anger and frustration. And still the promise comes. And still the blessing comes. Even when it doesn't seem possible. Even when it seems laughably impossible. And so friends... May we give birth to sacred laughter in our lives. The world needs it now more than ever. May we give birth to the divine promises in our lives, the promise to extend God's love over all the earth. Again, the world needs it now more than ever. And from time to time, may we find ourselves cackling with delight at the ridiculous thought that God would choose even us to offer divine blessing to the world. Even us. 
believe it or not. Amen.